I want to read a scripture here uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, in the first part of the verse. And Paul says here, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. How about that? Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You know, the New Testament has a lot to say about not being ashamed. Isn't that interesting? It's an interesting study all by itself, which we're not doing tonight. But that's a really cool study about not being ashamed. And here in the New Testament Greek, in Timothy, uh, it means to have a feeling of fear which prevents us from doing something. A shame meaning an aspect of fear, a feeling of fear that prevents us from doing something that we ought to be doing. And that's something. Paul Paul is telling us don't be that way. Uh, Obviously here in the first century, uh, if you speak out as a a Christian, uh, it could cause you to be put to death. Um, So when Christians were water baptized uh, by giving their testimony, you made it known publicly uh, that you're an enemy of Rome and the Jewish culture and religious system of that time. Uh, So it took courage to give a testimony. So Paul is telling us here not to fear, but be courageous and speak uh, in a courageous manner the testimony of the Lord. So the testimony of the Lord is really your own testimony. What has the Lord done in your life, in my life? That is my testimony. It's a personal thing. And, of course, I'm speaking out that uh, Jesus has changed my life. By the cross and the empty grave, I'm a new man, I'm a new woman in Christ. So every Christian, then, has a testimony. Uh, In uh, Acts here, chapter 1, verse 8, we see here uh, that uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, is speaking to his disciples And he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a lot here that's being said that we don't have a lot of time to uh, talk about. Many topics here in this one short verse. Uh, But here, power is going to come from heaven, excuse me, that we can witness of him. And Holy Spirit's going to give us that power to do so. And that doesn't mean you have to be an evangelist. Obviously, not all are evangelists. But as we read this, we're certainly all his witnesses. That is, we have a witness of a testimony that I've met Christ. All of us do. It's personal. It's your particular, peculiar one, but it's yours. Uh, Whether it looks spectacular or not, it doesn't matter. Because you are spectacular. Because Jesus made you into something spectacular. Amen? The Lord takes nobodies and makes somebodies out of them. Always remember that. He always takes a, a nobody and makes a somebody. He loves to do that so he gets all the credit. Uh, so we are witnesses to our own conversion to Christ. If you think about it. You were there. You're a witness to your own conversion to Christ. We saw something within us. So we have then for a testimony to give others of what we've witnessed in our own lives. And that's, again, unusual and peculiar to you. You have a testimony of what the Lord did. You were there, that he did something inside of you. So our testimony is usually something we have been delivered from and something we have been delivered to. Uh, Real important uh, scripture here in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it tells us he has delivered us 
from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Uh, in the New American Standard, it says dominion of darkness. The enemy doesn't have a kingdom. He has a dominion. We have a kingdom. And in the New American Standard, instead of delivered, it says rescued. In the New King James, it says delivered. So we've been delivered from this dominion of darkness, rescued from this dominion of darkness, you and me. And we are now in a new kingdom. And I have this testimony on my lips. And we need to keep that testimony of Christ on our lips. Now, so tonight, why am I saying all this? Well, tonight we have a water baptism taking place. And uh, whenever we do one, <clears throat> you hear the saints entering the water giving their testimony. Now, that shouldn't stumble you, the word saints, because people usually stumble at that word. The word uh, in the original Greek means holy one. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, you're a holy one, or in English, a saint. We're not talking about Roman Catholic canonized saints. That's very different. Those are people honored for something specific they did in their life. That's not what we're talking about here. This is something, you're a holy one. I can say holy ones, or I can say saints. It means the same thing. We are all holy ones or saints. I didn't make myself holy. He made me that way. There's something in the spirit realm that looks different about me when you look at me that you can't see with your natural eyes. The Holy Spirit has done something for you, for me, and has made me a holy one in his sight. That alone is something worth meditating on. I'm sure, I, I, you know, people I would assume like you're this big ego freaky walking around, I'm a holy one, I'm a holy one. But actually you are. Have you ever thought to meditate on that? When you walk into a room, a holy one has just walked into a room. I mean, that's how we should be viewing ourselves, how God views us. Because men are going to tell you this. You need to view yourself as God views you. You're a holy one that entered a room. Anyway, you have this testimony. And uh, so at water baptism time here, uh, this testimony is something important to talk about. Because it's something uh, to the believer that's uh, very personal. It's something they're going to share publicly as Christians have been doing for centuries prior. Our folks... Maybe a few words. Well, we don't want to have really long ones tonight, but uh, uh, basically it, they, they share in a, in a brief time, in a, in a real nutshell, uh, why they're entering the waters of baptism, what Christ has done for them. Uh, sometimes it's hard to put into words for, for people. Uh, a lot of times we've had people water baptized, they can't do it without tears. It's, 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 it's a really profound experience to them. But they're making a public testimony, that's the key. Uh, they're making a public test, and you are the witnesses hearing their public testimony. So you're being really nice to them to be here as a legal witness in the universe of time that you saw this believer give a testimony before many witnesses, as the Word of God tells us. Um, so it's meant to, obviously, to encourage them being water baptized, but also uh, to them who they give this to. Uh, it's an encouragement to us as well. So we always have to remember anyone uh, past present or future, that enters the waters of baptism, uh, always remember your testimony. Don't leave it in the baptismal tank. Uh, live it out daily. Very important we do that because you're never going to tell or know who you're going to affect because we're not alone. We're not that unique at times. Other people have been through the same circumstances of life we've been through. Now, my, my wife's testimony would be she was a goody two-shoes before she got saved, and she's a goody two-shoes after she got saved. But that will relate to people. 
who are in the exact same situation of life. Not everyone has to live life in the gutter and say, oh, Jesus saved me. That's great, but not everyone has to live like that. There are people that don't have these incredible things in life they've been through because they weren't in that depth of sin, but they still need to be saved. Amen? So it's unique to you. Why did you do this? Why did you receive Christ as your Savior? Why was this attractive to you that you said yes in your heart to the Lord? Hey, people need to hear that from you. So I'd like to, tonight, briefly, I don't want to speak long tonight at all, very brief, probably a short night. I, I, I wanted to speak briefly tonight on uh, a testimony, very briefly. Uh, first of all, um, a testimony has two elements. First is it's verbally spoken and that we were a witness. I already said the witness part. Number one, it is verbally spoken. Yeah, I'm not going to go to the scripture, but in 2 Samuel chapter 1, it's something that our mouth does. We testify with our mouth. And that's a very interesting word, testify, because it's a legal word. It talks about a witness has seen something and is reporting a fact. And your conversion to Christ is a fact. And you are presenting that to someone. And I think when we do this, there is something legal in the spirit realm that we're not seeing. That something's happening in the spirit realm, that a witness is being spoken in a courtroom of eternity. Do you realize if you share your testimony of Christ and people reject you, that's a statement into eternity what they've done? That you're not that special in the natural? Well, they just rejected Christ by rejecting you. That's heavy stuff. That's a testimony in eternity that's being said. And uh, yet those that would receive your testimony, Holy Spirit does a work in them that eventually they would come to know Christ as their Savior, right? Uh, Paul tells us some sow, some water that seed, and then some harvest that seed. Very often, when you, if you have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, you weren't the first one. Somebody planted seed in their hearts a long time ago. And they became pregnant with the gospel, and they're going to give birth whether they like it or not one day. And then somebody else came along and watered that seed, right? Then you probably came along and had the honor of seeing them come to Christ. Uh, how do you know if one's seed and one's water? Well, sometimes if it's seed, they kind of look at you a little amazed. They never heard this before. But then when you share your testament, they get angry at you. Ah, they already got seed in them, and you just watered it. That's how you can usually tell you're a waterer at that point. It's already there. And, and then you have the honor of leading someone to Christ. So that's really cool. So this is something that's legally done in the court of the universe that we just don't see or understand with our minds this side of heaven. So a testimony has two elements, one that is verbally spoken. The second point here in a testimony is that we're a witness. As I said before, we saw something. And a, a testimony has that element of, I'm not making this up. I was there. And we're giving our witness of what we saw. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Okay. And here we go. Just the facts. Those of you who remember, never mind. Uh, just the facts, ma'am. Uh, anyway, next thing about a testimony is it can do it at least three things. The first thing a testimony can do is establish the gospel. Now, we see that in the book of Acts constantly. The apostles went forth. They spoke their testimony of Christ, and people got saved. The church advanced. So your testimony can establish the gospel of Christ in other people's lives. Isn't that an amazing thought? I don't think there's a lot here that remembers, but who here knew Mark and Midge Candy? A few. I know you do. You still stay in touch with Midge. Anybody else? Okay, most people know. Wow, wow, wow. Mark was an evangelist. 
Uh, he, used to come, he used to be a member of the Church of Grace and Peace. Uh, he had gone all over the world preaching the gospel and his, and his wife, Midge. And he's got home to be with the Lord. And uh, Mark loved his testimony. Anytime he'd have, i got to remember, the guy's an evangelist now. He ticks for this. Uh, you know, he'll tell it to a lamppost. He'll tell it to anybody. His testimony. And Mark would always be big on, can I tell you my story? Can I give you my testimony? Usually when you say testimony, people don't know what you're talking about. Uh, are we in a court here? But so he said, can I tell you my story? So anyway, Mark, just to give you one example. Uh, I guess this has to be after the Korean War. Mark was a fighter jet pilot. I don't know if he was a test pilot or just a, just a fighter jet pilot. Uh, and um, he was stationed in South Korea at the time. And what's the water next to South Korea? Is that the China Sea? Who remembers? Geography, real good. Nobody. You did, that's China Sea, right? Yeah, okay. So Mark was doing his, whatever you do in the air with a jet, with a, with a jet plane in the 1950s. But he was hot dogging. And you're not supposed to do that. When you make the plane go all over the place like this, well, when you do that, you expend a lot of fuel, and he ran out of fuel. You don't want to run out of fuel when you're above the China Sea. And he had no choice. He had a parachute. And so he blew the hatch, and he's in midair at this point with a parachute, half unconscious because it hits you in the head when you get out. And um, he's coming down, and he's looking towards the, beneath him, and he sees the South China Sea. He knows if he lands in there, he's dead because that's a little above freezing, and he ain't going to make it. So he's kind of looking, and he sees land, and he's kind of pushing the parachute. He just makes it and lands on the beach. One problem, he doesn't know where he is. Is he in South Korea? Is he in North Korea? And now he has soldiers running towards him. And he's looking, and he doesn't know who they are. So he kind of puts his hand on his 45 automatic and goes, I better not do this, because if that's North Korea, I'm going to create an incident. Turns out there were South Korean soldiers. And they saved his life. So this was Mark's big testimony. Okay? And oddly enough, that's not when he got saved. It took him a few years later. But that was the start of it. Anyway, that was his testimony. He would always tell people his testimony. So we got a call one day at church. Uh, could you please uh, go to the hospital? said to me, could you please go to the hospital and talk to my father? I don't know how much longer he's going to live. He needs to receive Christ. He's a very difficult person. And that, for me, just felt like a lead balloon. I'm like, no, I don't want to go. I'm not supposed to. No. I said, I'll tell you what, let me send somebody. And I just had this picture in me, go send Mark Andy. And she said, well, he might throw him out of his room. He's, he's really not a nice man. I'll send Mark. So sure enough, Mark walks in. Hi there. And he introduces himself. You're my daughter sent you? Well, you can get out of here. So he's about to throw Mark out of the room. And he said, can I tell you my story? What story? So Mark tells him his whole story. This guy is in tears when Mark is done. Apparently, this guy was in the Navy in World War II and fell off the ship into the drink. And they had to fish him out, and he almost died. That was like a traumatic life experience for him. And Mark had him in the palm of his hand, and he led that guy to Christ. And, of course, when we told her that her father had received the Lord, my father? I said, yeah, your father believe it or not, and he received Christ. Now, I didn't know this, right? But the Lord did. And Mark only did what he did. He gave his testimony. To anybody who would hear it, he gave his testimony. And he gave his testimony at the right time to the right person where it clicked. And the guy received Christ. Amazing. So what is happening here? It's establishing the gospel. 
It's establishing the good news of Christ and people come into the kingdom because of the testimony from our lips. It's not just the first century in the book of Acts, right? It's living today in our lives. We're still living in the book of Acts. It has not ended. Uh, it, we know, uh, Acts is not a very, Acts of the Apostles is really not a very good title for that book. It doesn't have a title. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, the church called it different names over the centuries. Uh, it really should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's exactly what it is, and it hasn't ended to this very day. It's a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, and it's like Luke Part 2, and uh, it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And they're still happening today with you and me. Beam ones that speak our testimony and establish the Gospel. So, a testimony can establish the Gospel. Second, it is a proof that Jesus is the Messiah. Have you ever realized that when you open your mouth and bring your testimony, it's a proof that Jesus is the Messiah, right? You're giving a verbal testimony that Jesus is real. I'm giving you my experience. I'm not giving you my theory. I'm not something about, that I read or learned about from somebody else. This is my life experience. I have met the living Christ. I'm not telling you what I think about Christ. I met him. That is giving a proof of Jesus the Messiah, right? And what can they say about your testimony? There's an old saying, a man with a theory is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. In our case here, always at the mercy of a man with a testimony. People can never deny your testimony. In fact, in the back of their minds, they're, they're going, could this be real? Could this be true? They'll never tell you that, but that's what they're thinking. And so, number three here, it can lead others to repentance. This is kind of all the same theme. A testimony can lead others to repentance. We are sent by Holy Spirit with a testimony on our lips. Now, let's keep this real simple. Whenever you're out there and you're around people, you are sent by Holy Spirit with a testimony on your lips. That's an amazing charge. I had a sermon a few weeks ago about being an ambassador for Christ. That's what you are as an ambassador of Christ, with a testimony on your lips about who Jesus is to you. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 15. Uh, How shall they preach unless they are sent? We are sent. And as, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Wow, we have beautiful feet. Did you realize that? That means when we walk in this creation, it cries out. Look at the beautiful feet. I understand, this is, a, this is first century stuff. Feet were dirty little picky things. Right? They were full of dust and full of mud, and when you go into your, someone's home, you took your sandals off and they washed your feet or poured uh, you know, water on your foot in the basin because they didn't want you to piggy up their home. And here, this thing that looked, right, unwanted in the natural was really a beautiful thing. Because people are, it's, it's someone is carrying the word of the gospel of life. Hey, look at the person next to you there. Tell them they got beautiful feet. Now, don't get fresh with them. Because, you know, you've got to be careful so people aren't married. Don't get fresh with them now. We're not that kind of church. Okay, that's right. They have beautiful feet because they are carriers of the gospel. Hey, you got to see yourself as Jesus sees you. Not making this stuff up. Amen. All right, so the last thing I wanted to mention here, there are three basic principles 
for our testimony. The first is in Psalm 119, verse 46. I love this scripture. I will speak your testimonies also before kings and will not be, there it is again, ashamed. That's a New Testament foreshadow. I will not be ashamed. We must speak his testimonies. That's what's being told here to us. We must. We must speak his testimonies. If they reject it, they reject it. But there will be more, I believe, that will listen than will reject it. The second point here in our uh, principles is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. What we are speaking of has already been confirmed real in us. This is not in our heads. We are bringing something real to people. Coke is not the real thing. Those of you who are old enough to remember the commercial. Coke is not the real thing. It's our testimony that's the real thing. It's confirming that it really exists, this Jesus. Look at me, and you've seen him. Heavy stuff, man. Heavy stuff. This is what's happening in the spirit realm. And the third and last point here is what I just read before. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, that we started off tonight with. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Interesting, it doesn't say Jesus or Christ. It says Lord. Because Lord is a concept of uh, ownership. And it's the testimony that he owns me. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. I am his bondservant. I am his property. And I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I am owned by him. Have you ever considered that? That's a whole separate sermon to talk about a bondservant, but it's not something that we understand in our, in our modern culture. Uh, it was definitely a concept of the Roman Empire. Uh, obviously, in the Roman Empire, you had slavery, but we remember European slavery, which is a totally different picture, not the same. In the Roman Empire, slavery was actually a, a class or caste of people that could get themselves out of slavery if they wanted to. But anyway, if you were a slave in the Roman Empire and you just loved your master so much, you would say, Master, I really love you. I don't ever want to be anything else but, but, but your servant. <gasps> really? And then the master would tell his friends, look, out of his own free will, he wants, I'm really serious, he wants to be my slave, my servant. Again, it has a different connotation then than it does in our, in our culture when we think about European slavery. And uh, they would say, really? It was almost like hold a party. They would all go over to the guy's house, and he would take his servant, have a big hug. Then the servant would put his ear to the door, and then he would take a nail, and he would nail his ear to the door. And that was a sign, I forever live to hear your voice to do your command, to do your will. My life is not mine any longer. How many times did we read in the New Testament where Paul calls himself a bondservant? We are called to be bondservants. Think about that one. We don't get it in our culture today. It means my life doesn't belong to me anymore. I've surrendered to Christ. He's taken my ear and nailed it to the door. I'm his now. I forever live to hear his voice to do what he would call me to do. I want to. It's my purpose for existence, to hear his voice and follow his words. That's what it meant in the days of Rome. That's the concept that Paul uses. That's what he calls himself. That's what we are called to be. My life doesn't belong to me 
anymore. Hey, most of Christianity in America, uh, Lord, just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing to you. What you're saying is Jesus is, is, is a good luck charm. You want to do your will, live your life, go blessed Jesus. That's how most of the church thinks today. That is not New Testament thinking. If you truly are saved, you belong to him now. Your life is not yours anymore. Your entire existence this side of heaven is the bondservant with your ear nailed to the door to hear the master's voice and to obey and to serve because you're just honored to do so and you want to and you love to. And see, here we see here, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. I am his bondservant. How can I be ashamed of him? I exist for this. And that's why I said, I don't want to have it any other way. I hope in your heart you could say the same tonight. Because when we have the saints entering the waters of baptism tonight, they're kind of like saying this publicly. Jesus, I belong to you. I am your bondservant now. I enter these waters of baptism. I identify with your death and resurrection. When I come out of that water, I may look the same and I might look wet, but there's a different person inside. That's now your bondservant. That's not, it's like the door experience of the nail. I am now dead here, whatever I was, and a new person has risen up that only you know. And I have your testimony on my lips. So baptisms are exciting times. It's, 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 it's an event in eternity that's taking place. And you happen to be honored to be a witness to it. So uh, let's um, dismiss the candidates right now who are going to be baptized. Please go back to the rooms there as you get ready to be baptized. And we'll call up our, our wonderful music folks, Jim and Cynthia and Pastor Bob, as we turn the service over to Pastor Bob. But I just want to uh, just close in prayer for this message as they come up. And uh, Pastor Bob will be the phase two to take it over. Uh, Father God, we just thank you that your word is rich. We receive it. That, Lord God, we would leave this building with a deeper understanding of who we are. Not of ourselves anymore, but of you. Bond servants of yours, what a testimony on our lips that I have given my life to hear the master's voice and to walk accordingly. Help us, Father, to have that revelation inside of us that's real to us on a personal level, that, Father God, we would be forever changed, that we would live and walk as people with a testimony on their lips of the real living Christ. And we thank you for that, Father, tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.